Broadcasting live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona, you are tuning in to Culture Crush with Kendra Maples. This podcast will dive into a variety of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. realized that it needed to be more than a podcast. So there is an entire business behind this now with bringing company culture resources together in one hub. So know that that is an outreach opportunity if anyone listening needs to reach any of our resources, partners, anything like that to help improve culture. They're here. We also highlight companies that are out there that are building a great culture. One of those, which is our sponsor of the podcast, Gateway Bank. We want to thank our podcast sponsor, Gateway Bank, a community bank in Arizona that specializes in serving small businesses across the valley and the country. We're so thankful to have them as a sponsor. When you work with Gateway, you don't have to call a 1-800 number for support or submit a loan application and then wait weeks or months for an answer. You get fast personal service from a team who knows you and cares about you. Whether you need a loan or banking services for your business, Gateway is there to help. You can visit gcbaz.com forward slash culture crush for details and for a free consultation with bank president James Christensen. Speaking of James Christensen, the lovely thing that I get to do every once in a while is loop him in so he gets to co-host with me. And today is one of those days. James, I'm so excited that you're here. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Glad to be here. <laughs> That's one of the things that I love about having you guys as a sponsor. It's not just, oh, there's a bank sponsoring. It really is relationships and building and friendships. And then you've already started to strike up a conversation with our guest today too, our in-person guest today. And so I just, I love that we get to spend this time together and it's more than just a sponsorship. It's a relationship that we get to have. Absolutely. It's part of the culture. Yeah, it absolutely is. So you're going to kick us off and introduce our guests today and then have them introduce themselves a little bit. Sounds good. So we have two Hall of Fame speakers and authors, Waldo Waldman, your wingman with Wingman Enterprises, and Dan Clark, Dan Clark and Associates. And Kendra and I feel like Wayne and Garth, we're not worthy. So, <laughs> so Waldo, let I love it if you would introduce yourself and give us a little information. Good morning and great to be here. I, I'm going to be in Phoenix, I think, tomorrow night. Actually, no, the next day on, on Thursday. So uh, I just missed you by a couple of days. So enjoy the weather because we're freezing our tails off here in Atlanta. As some of you know, I, I was a fighter pilot in the Air Force. I went to pilot training at Williams Gateway Field, right, back in the day. And then I flew F-16s out of Luke down the street from you all there in, in Phoenix and then I uh, spent uh, 11 years in the active duty Air Force and then 13 in the reserve in this amazing culture of uh, the U.S. Air Force, a fighter squadron where performance and relationships and trust and excellence are part of our DNA. After I left, I went to business school, was in a couple of big sales roles and then weaned my way into speaking. And now I'm a leadership and sales speaker uh, and I speak at national sales meetings and leadership meetings globally. And I also do executive coaching on transitioning leaders and folks who want to push up the throttle in their life. Great. Thanks, Waldo. Dan? Well, I'm into first impressions. I meet Kendra, <laughs> and she's got these stunning eyes, so smart, so charismatic, so amazing. I meet James, and he intimidates me. His, his clothes, his outfit costs more than my car. And as a songwriter with some gold records in country music, I always tell Waldo that I would write a song about him, but I don't know what rhymes with stud muffin hunk of burning love. So I had to get that out of the way because I'm intimidated by all of you on this program. <clears throat> what you need to know about me is that uh, I know that this program, and especially Karen, the owner and the producer, understands the significance of taking ourselves from a from comfort zone to job and then to calling. And most people drag their calling down to the level of their comfort zone. And that's why I'm so excited to be on this program, because as I've analyzed it and investigated it, what you do is use every tool and every resource to drag our comfort zone up to the level of our calling. 
And I only bring that up because I played football for 13 years. I was paralyzed in a tackling drill and I was paralyzed for 14 months. I went to 16 doctors, 15 of whom told me I would not recover. I would never get any better. And as I figured out how to get better, I was asked to speak. Uh, Zig Ziglar, I had never heard of a motivational speaker before. I'd never heard of Zig Ziglar before. I thought, whoa, his mom ran out of names. So out of curiosity, I plugged the cassette tape in and I listened to it and his storytelling changed my life. And consequently, as I started to get better, I was asked to speak and I've parlayed it into a full-time career for over four decades, written 37 books. But I am such, I'm so honored to be on the program with Waldo because he is the expert in culture and having never been in the military, I've been drawn to the culture of the military because of their emphasis on core values. And the greatest thing you need to know about Waldo Waldman is that he is exactly the same off stage, off screen as he is on stage. And that's why I'm so excited to be here and commiserate about what we know about leadership, team building. I also speak on those programs. And I love to talk about ethics because once I put Waldo's picture on the cover of my books, they started to sell like hotcakes. Yeah. And I just thank you so much, dude, for sharing this time with me. Appreciate our friendship. Absolutely, bro. I am almost speechless right now because there's so many different directions that we can go in this conversation. First off, Dan, I'm going to take you everywhere with me to introduce James and I um, for the future. So I hope you're not busy forever now. And I think it shows the relationship and it shows the quality of the two of you. Very rarely do I bring somebody on this show that I have had zero conversations with. And that was the case with you. I think this is only the second time that I have brought somebody on the show that I didn't have the chance to talk to in advance. And a lot of times, you know, we'll match two guests that know each other. They've got a little bit of a connection already. Sometimes they don't know each other. And that connection is built and grows. But at least I talk with them in advance and I didn't. Waldo, this shows a lot for you. You said, I think Dan would be a great one to bring on the show. And within the first four minutes of meeting him, I'm like, oh, I have a, a best friend. And then I introduced the two of them together with James and, and Dan, and they got the chance to connect a little bit. They both grew up in the same area. And so we're already building these beautiful connections. And that in itself is culture. We're setting the stage of the culture of this conversation, of this space. <clears throat> Even though, you know, Waldo, you and Dan know each other. Dan, you're new for, for me to me. Waldo, you're new for James to me. And we're already building this very beautiful culture. And so that I'm so excited just to, to jump into this. We can go in so many different directions. The military being a culture of itself, right? Sports being a whole different culture of itself, right? But still building teams. We can go in a lot of directions. James, I'm looking at you to see maybe what direction you want to go in. I'm thinking we start with Waldo and hear more about what the culture of the military kind of led to as the foundation of his speaking. May I be so bold to interrupt? Just I want you to interrupt the whole time. To prime the pump of Waldo's <laughs> imagination and creativity. When you have the privilege and opportunity to hear Waldo speak as a keynote speaker, mm -hmm. you know, he is melodramatic. He is so animated. He is so awesome and so on. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I love about Waldo's, quote, demo video sizzle reel is there's a clip of him talking and he's building it up. And then he has that emotional mood music behind him. And it feels like you're in a Methodist church, James, like your, 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 your parents were Methodist preachers. And all of a sudden the music stops and Waldo has that punctuating pause. And he says, so the question is, can I depend on you? Can I trust you? And to your point, Kendra, you brought me on the show never having met me or having a conversation because you trusted Waldo's recommendation of me. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that that's the heart and soul of every culture 
And I didn't mean to uh, step on your opening lines, Waldo, but of all the things that you say from stage, having been in your audience before, we always pay attention to when people actually want to take copious notes. Mm -hmm. And when you stop and have that dramatic pause and say, so the question is, can I trust you? I think that's the essence of being a wingman. And uh, now that I've reintroduced you, and spending all of my precious time sucking up to you. I can't say no to Waldo. I'm so grateful you didn't ask me for a new car. <laughs> Dan, so you can't be his introducer. I'll stop talking, bro, time, but you, I just thought, mind. let's just cut right to the chase because that's who you are. And I think that's why the law of attraction is so powerful. When we remind each other, we don't attract who we want. We attract who we are. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. And I was just, I did a little workout with my wife this morning. We, we, uh, while I was on the bike, I read some spiritual, some every morning I do a little reading and we meditate. And then I, on the TV in my gym, I had some beautiful uh, manifestation videos on spirituality and God and all that stuff. But you're right. It's, 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 you know, we're human beings. How do we show up? Who are we being when we connect? I always say the blood is more important than the the muscle and the heart more important than the head. I think today in the precarious world that we live in, we need to be able to turn to our left and right and say, can I depend on you? Can I trust you to have my back? The stakes are high. I need you. You need me. When I ask you to show up, will you be prepared? Will you know when to ask for help? Can I, can I trust you implicitly? And that's what is the foundation of friendships with you, which you and I have. And, and Kendra, we met, uh, I think at a conference and then we connected and, she went and saw me speak at the hotel in Scottsdale, where, I, where I'm going to be actually uh, mm-hmm. in a few days as well. And you showed up, you made a commitment. You know, I have a big emphasis in my life about commitment and integrity and, 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 and being that trusted partner because I don't like being let down. And I learned it in a fighter squadron where our lives are on the line. I don't like to be able to look to my left and right and wonder if that person's going to be dependable. And the way I start with everything is myself. When I show up, am I on time? Am I honest knowing, you know, that I may not have all the answers? Do I emulate excellence in my own life? And I think that's why we're friends when, when you showed up, Dan, and, and when you come up to uh, to Atlanta, you're texting me and calling me. We're breaking bread together. We're sharing uh, our wins and our losses. And the same thing with you, Kendra. And I'm sure it would be the same thing with you, James. So that that culture that I learned in a fighter squad, and I really learned, you know, growing up in a very blue collar, old school value family. Those core values are so critical and it bleeds into our personal life and it bleeds into our professional life. And what we bring into the cockpit of business is a reflection of who we are outside of it and vice versa. And so that's what I'm passionate about. And it always, like I said, starts with that inner wing, that who we are, how we show up. And I can't be friends and have relationships with people that don't emulate that, which is the reason why I'm here, because we have a relationship with Kendra and Dan and and we're all here to learn and grow and, and, and develop that relationship further. When you are doing these speaking engagements, and like you said, I got to see you. And Dan, he is the same on stage and off stage, which is so beautiful and to I'm so see. grateful he doesn't wear his onesie out in public. <laughs> Maybe that is good. Well, that's, really change, but I'm like, nah, that's the only thing that changes off stage. <laughs> The, the onesie outfit, which, although you might have to tell people what that this is. flight so. suit. Come on, baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're speaking to <clears throat> these, these groups and these companies, you're, you're coming from such a place of, one, the passion, but also the experience. Like you said, you, you literally have been in life or death situations. How are you conveying that to these teams when it comes from you talking about your wingman and trust and commitment and all of this when you really are in a life or death situation, then conveying it to them when it comes to their business and their team and and sales and things like that. How are you truly bringing that to them and conveying this, this message to them? There's so many variables that come into trust. You know, we talked about core values, integrity, honesty, accountability, responsibility, all those critical assets that that help us build trusting relationships and become reliable with our teammates. But it's also skill. The the S in trust, teamwork, reliability, understanding skill and truthfulness. Mm -hmm. This S is very important. As we say in the fighter pilot world, you can't be all thrust and no vector. 
Meaning you could show up with a positive attitude, be excited, courageous, et cetera. But if you're not applying the procedures, if you're not well-trained, if you're not competent in your skills in the cockpit of our jet, I'm going to show some photos here, then you can't be successful. I always say wingmen never wing it. Mm-hmm. And so part of building trust in an environment, and especially in business, when there are outcomes and people depending on you, banks, where you're investing people's money, mm-hmm. when you have to decommoditize yourself in your community bank world, right, go up against the, the big dogs out there. If you don't have the assets and the tools and are able to follow up on the promises that you give your, <clears throat> your customers who are writing you a check, paying you, then you can't be a trusted partner. Maybe you could do so on a nonprofit, uh, you know, non-business related entity or a softball team, but not in business. So we must be trained. That's why we fight like we train in the military. We have to be prepared and confident in our skills. So I'd rather fly with somebody I didn't like, or I didn't really feel comfortable having a beer with or playing softball with, but somebody who I knew had my back and would hit the target and do the job right. Because we must be mission focused before relationship focused. Mm-hmm. And if it's all about the relationship, if it's all about how we're getting along and the mission doesn't come first, that is a fallacy. And I think very it's an important designator and differentiator when it comes to great companies. The, the relationship is critical, mm-hmm. but it isn't everything. And I'll shut up now and let Dan maybe share on that because he's done a lot in that in that space as well. But uh We've got to be prepared. We've got to be confident in our skills. And that's what I loved about being in a high-performing fighter squad. Mm -hmm. What do you say, Dan? We had a problem with the comm. Could you start over with hello, Dan? I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, because I somehow just focused in on my expertise in resilience, which I take a lot of pride in coming back from my Mm -hmm. 14-month paralysis, maybe to tie into what you're saying is that I don't want anyone to think it was a rah-rah, you can if you think you can. Mm-hmm. recovery. One of the things that happened to me is uh, I went to 15, I went to 16 doctors, 15 of whom told me I would not recover. Now that I've battled back to a 95% recovery, the three most frequently asked questions are these. When I hit, I was at the top of my game, projected number one draft pick by the Oakland Raiders, invitation trial by the Kansas City Royals as a baseball pitcher coming out of high school. That was my identity. Mm -hmm. And in one moment in time, I lose my identity. And I thought I was a football player when in reality, that's just what I did. It's not who I am as a man. And when we identify ourselves in terms of what we do instead of who we are, we become human doings instead of human beings. Mm -hmm. Unacceptable of significance is what we seek. And so now that I've recovered and I finished my book tour, my flagship book is called The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success. And as I finished that book tour, it was published by Penguin Random House. I realized the three most frequently asked questions were these. Clark, what do you mean you thought you hit rock bottom when you were paralyzed? And the answer is very profound. No matter how hard or how bad anything in, or any, in, anything gets in our lives, no one ever hits rock bottom. We hit rock foundation. We hit rock belief. We hit the baseline core values and governing principles on which we were raised. And the same thing, if we think that our company uh, hit a bump in the road during COVID or we were slammed by the economy, our organizations never hit rock bottom. They hit rock foundation. They hit the baseline governing principles on which they were built. Mm-hmm. And because we're talking about culture, statistics show that 85% of family-owned businesses go bankrupt by the third generation. And that's because this new generation refused to embrace the same core values that grandpa and grandma subscribed to that allowed them to not just come up with the idea. There's no such thing as an idea crisis, only a, I mean, a financial crisis, only an idea crisis. Ideas create income. Mm -hmm. They refused to embrace sacrifice and hard work and service before self and all the things that you've been talking about that are obviously not just military cultural values, core values, but because our military embraced those universal values, that's why we have air superiority and the greatest military on the planet. So we have to understand the significance of what we believe. Second of the three most frequently asked questions is, Clark, why did I keep going to so many different doctors? And the answer is I kept going from doctor to doctor until I found one who believed I would get better. 
who reminded me that knowledge is power, but it has no heart. We don't learn to know, we learn to do, to your point, Waldo. All the information in the world isn't going to make a person successful. It's like the guy who has three PhDs, one in philosophy, one in psychology, one in sociology. He doesn't have a job, but at least he can explain why. (laughs) So moral to the story, reason leads to conclusions, but it is emotion that leads to action. Mm-hmm. Which brings up the third most frequently asked question. What took me so long to recover? What took me so long to pivot? What took me so long to get better? <clears throat> and the answer is I was asking the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. Mm-hmm. And once we answer why, figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple. So my recovery was definitely not a rah-rah. Let's just talk about the physiology behind my recovery and the real expertise in resilience, bouncing back, coming back, rebound rate, whatever you want to call it. When we only identify and focus on the the how and the what, we only engage the head, we only engage the brain. But when we add to that a passionate why and a compelling want, which is our meaningful goal, mm-hmm. We connect the head with our heart and physiologically proven, our blood pumps more rapidly, our brains fire and our muscles magnify, which maximizes our performance. And when we only focus on the how and the what, the head, the the slideshow, the PowerPoint, when we're only transactional speakers or leaders where we only talk about the how and the what, the skill side, the system side. Wouldn't it be more important for us to connect at that relationship side, mission first, family always, as we've heard in the Air Force, mission first, skill. I loved what you said, Waldo. I totally agree. But wouldn't it be more important for us to become a transformational speaker, which means we always, in every conversation, personal and professional, connect our head with our heart so everyone leaves us saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. Mm-hmm. I like me best when I'm with you. I I want to see you again. That's the secret to Gateway Bank, James. I know that. You connect on your website. You say, we connect nostalgia. We are an old school bank. You didn't show up in a coat and tie. Think about the stereotypical banker. They walk around like they had a 90 mile an hour enema. They look like they sat on a stick. They're like, can we check your credit? And let's go over the four C's of credit and collateral. And you show up like a hippie from Woodstock. I love it, bro. We connect right out of the shoots before you even open up your mouth. Oh, shizzle. No. As a, uh, uh, like I said, bro, this is going so well. I can't believe it. Here, take a hit. Kendra, this is lovely. Just kidding. But let's just talk for a second about, so I can put the segue back to you, uh, Waldo. When you talk... Again, it's not rah-rah, and it's not about you're a fighter pilot, and what are you going to do when you're getting missiles shot at you, and how do you deal with resilience, and all those wonderful things that you incorporate with your stories. But you actually take us through a process, and it does us absolutely no good to rah-rah and get everybody fired up as a motivated mass of indirection unless we give them a process. Mm-hmm. So may I quote the mantra, the, 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 the baseline formula that I use when I go in and work with an organization to level up their culture? Every culture is created between the strongest belief, the highest expectation, and the best behavior that the leader lives by, and the worst behavior, lowest expectation, and every culture is created between the strongest belief, highest expectation, and lowest uh, and best behavior that the leader lives by, mm-hmm. and the weakest be- belief, lowest expectation, and worst behavior that the leader tolerates. Yeah. So when you think about the three steps of creating a culture, we have to dissect it into uh, expanded belief, elevated expectations, and empowered behavior. Mm. So the first thing that we do when I work with a company and up-level their culture and fire up their team and do everything that we need to do to get them resilient so they can adapt to change, which is also one of the expertises that Waldo covers better than anyone else on the planet. We have to begin with belief. Mm-hmm. Let me give you two quotes. The purpose of a leader is to grow more leaders who believe what you believe, not generate more followers. Back to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I love Simon Sinek. We have the same publisher. We've been on the program so many times together. He said, the goal is not to do business with everybody who wants what you have. The goal 
is to do business only with those who believe what you believe so they choose you, not just somebody who does what you do. Mm-hmm. The reason why we choose Waldo as a keynote speaker, as a, as, as a leadership trainer, and hopefully the same reason why you would bring me in and we've shared the program together multiple times. Yeah. First off, I snorted because we were laughing so hard. I think that's a first for this show. <laughs> so we'll just let that be. I can see how the two of you can be such good friends. There's a beautiful balance because, Dan, you're talking about the resilience and the beliefs and the why. And Wallo, you were talking about skills. Like, you have to have those skills. I was, I'm really thankful that you brought that up because so often in this culture space, we talk about, oh, you can teach somebody the skills but you can't teach them how to be compassionate and be a good human. And, and so often in culture, that's what we talk about. So I'm really thankful that you flipped it as, no, you really do need your skills too. You need your skills and you need the why. Dan, I love that you connected it back to Gateway Bank because James, I know, I mean, your team is so focused on company culture, but factoring both of what these two are talking about How do you see that in the work that you're doing with the balance of, yes, you need the people to understand the mission, be compassionate, be part of the why, but then also, do they, do they have the skill set? I mean, I'm not a numbers banker person, like don't, please don't ever hire me in that role, but how do you see that balance of what the two of these gentlemen are talking about with the why, the compassion, and then on the other side, that skill set? It's interesting here about a week ago, I was just thinking through my team and I only have three people that have a business or a finance degree, but they had strong skill sets in whatever industry they were in or coming from. And then they had the right culture. When you mentioned character, I think Waldo earlier, honesty, integrity and character. It's interesting. You would have probably just rolled your eyes too. The only time I've ever gone head to head with the bank examiners was on honesty, integrity, and character. And it was about 10 years ago. And I had to take it out of all of my policies because it's not measurable the way they want it to be measurable. And I'm like, well, you understand, I'm not going to change the way we do business. It's why it works. And they, I said, well, what do you propose we replace truth, honesty, and character with? They said, good credit. And I'm like, okay, that's like one one hundredth of that piece. But if that makes you happy, that's what we're going to do. But I, I especially think in banking and when you talk to, you know, set yourself apart and in all we do, I think that culture you know, and you had mentioned top, you know, top to bottom from the best to the worst. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the piece that resonated with me when you're making your comment was, or that behavior that you'll tolerate as a leader. And I had somebody based, not intentionally slap me in the face, but that was a conversation I had. I had one employee that I'd had for four or five years that was an issue. And he's like, why is he still there? And I'm like, mm-hmm. um... That's an excellent question. He's not there anymore. But really, I, I, I thought I had somebody in a silo that in that particular position, I could pretty much leave separate from the team. And that wasn't true. Um, since that change has been made, um, it's incredible what it did to bond the entire team. So, I mean, I, I would say, you know, from the best to the worst is about a straight line. You know, having your back and, you know, my team members, I, if you ask me, I'll always tell you my team come first. The customer is not always right. You know, there's definitely a way to tell the customer they're not right in a non-offensive way. But to have your team know that no matter what happens, you have their back is part of the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. And Waldo, you talk about that a lot. Having, having your back, you talk about wingman. I know there's another phrase that I, I write in one of your books, too. So talk to us a little bit about that, going off of what James is talking about, like having each other's back, being the wingman, covering the blind spots. When you're talking about that in culture, you're taking it from your experience in the military and then talking to groups about it. Talk to us a little bit about that conversation you're having with folks and what that kind of means. So I think the true testament of knowing that you have a great relationship with an individual or a business is, do people feel comfortable coming to you for help? 
That is a wingman, a wingman, right? Somebody mm-hmm. that you're competent to go to for help. They're prepared. You know, they're going to be truthful. They have relationship skills intact. They're going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, right? And if you do that on a corporate level, if I'm going to go into a bank or a dentist or hire a speaker, I want to know that they're going to be able to solve my problems. You're going to be able to help me with my problems. Now, it's a two-way street. I have to have the courage to bring you my problems, Mm -hmm. to admit that I'm not right, to admit that I may not have an answer. And I need to know that you're going to be honest with me and I'm not going to be fearful of you for reprimand, uh, et cetera. And so, so that, that once again, it, it ties it to the DNA and the blood and of, of, a, of an organization and of a leader. And if you're the type of leader that people are afraid to bring their problems to you, mm-hmm. or you're going to get, be brutal with your feedback and, and not tactful and compassionate and empathetic, which are key attributes to connecting from the heart, which leads to the hand and performance, then that's also going to be uh, a detriment to your culture. So, so are you able to, you know, have others, uh, you know, bring, bring their problems to you? Are you able to be honest with them? And then also it goes back to the individual. Are you going to be defensive and not listen? Are you approachable and coachable as a leader and as a subordinate, as a teammate? So if you look at a fighter squadron, when we briefed and debriefed our missions, especially in the debrief, we were brutally honest with each other. You know, the name tags came off in, before briefing or debriefing and our rank came off. We didn't want our ego, our rank or our personalities, our humanity to get in the way of growth. And so the leader, the first thing that he or she would do is they would admit their mistakes. Hey, we flew this one hour, you know, four before dissimilar combat training. Here's what here's what I messed up, folks. I didn't call out the emergency airfields. I didn't call tanks dry when I ran out of fuel in my tanks. It was part of our briefing. I missed it. I called kill of a bogey in a left-hand turn at 22,000 feet. The pipper wasn't on. It was an improper kill. I owe everybody a beer or, or a round of Cokes. And so what that does is it, it, it says the culture of this organization is the leader is willing to admit his or her mistakes. Guess what? I better admit mine. Mm-hmm. I better share the mistakes that I made or the mishaps that went on that maybe the others didn't see so we could all learn. And guess what? The last echelon, the last pinnacle of a great culture is when that subordinate is going to be able to call out the mistakes that the leader may have made. Mm-hmm. Well, sir, ma'am, uh, you also forgot to do this. Now, you got to once again do it tactfully and all that stuff. But the job of a fighter squadron, the job of a bank when it's people's monies and futures, the job of a doctor or physician's office when people's lives are on the line, their health, these are same rel- relatively the same thing, is we, we must be honest and give the results through tact. But the results and the, and the, uh, the answers are critical because our lives, our wealth, our health is on the line. And so those are all d- different attributes that go into play and, and building the culture and the DNA of an organization. It starts with those values. I always say, you know, you know the, like I said, the blood is more important than the, the muscle. But as as uh, Dan uh, eloquently stated before that, why? So you got to understand the why before you fly. Mm-hmm. Understand that why. And w- when you understand the values of the organization and last and not least, and then I'll shut up here, is you also must value the values of your teammates. You have to understand what they value. That's why Dan and I are friends. He values his, his family, his relationships, his children, amazing people. He values connections and, and showing up and breaking bread and talking about life. We, we, you know, we value God, all those things. If you understand what people value, what they're fighting for, what they're bleeding for, not just what they fear, but what they love, family, et cetera, then you're making that connection that marinates the stake of the relationship. And when you ask them to take the hill or push up the throttle or work that extra hour uh, on a Friday night or make some sacrifices, you'll have already established that relationship, value their values, and they'll go to full power for you. Mm -hmm. That culture is all of those things that you're talking about. The values first, right? Understanding who somebody is at a deeper level, not just surface level, not just Oh, I know what they look like. I know that he uses glasses to read. Like, but like you said, the values, the really deep understanding their why, what they do, why they do it. Right. I'm so glad you mentioned the ego situation, um, especially with leaders. I've been 
part of companies and I've worked with companies through Culture Crush where the the leader is the problem. There is a huge ego that they cannot let go of. Then if you you have a leader that has an ego or you have a you team members that have egos and and nobody can call each other out in a tactful way like you said, there's just going to be tension and that's going to contribute to a toxic workplace. With the both of you, I kind of look at you guys in the work that you do as spies into people's companies, right? Because, for example, with Culture Crush, we're a hub of these resources. So we can provide the resources for mental health, diversity and inclusion, accessibility, all of these pieces, right? There's a lot of these coaches and consultants and speakers and folks like you guys that the reason why I say you're kind of like the spies is because they have, say, a a conference or whatnot. So Waldo, when I went to watch you speak, right? Beautiful company, great company culture. They wanted somebody to come in that had a great message and was powerful and could get everybody excited. Instead of you just showing up and giving your speech, you went beforehand. You got to meet the leadership team. You went and toured their facility you really got into who are they? What's their why as a company? And so you're you're kind of like a little spy in there. And yeah. then, yes, you're giving your speech, but you're learning all these other little pieces and you're picking up right away who's got the ego, who <laughs> can trust, who has the great dynamic, right? So when you two are getting ready to do these these speeches and writing books and and doing these little deep dives with companies, I'd be, I'm curious to know, have there ever been those situations where you are picking up on the trust issues and the ego issues and in your space of what you can do and what you can support them with, do you say anything? Do you like, is there anything else in the work that you're doing where you can bring light to these situations and not just you know, hey, I'm here to do a speech. Like I said, Waldo, I know you went in and you got to meet and do some deep dives with the team. So now you're this little, you're this little fly on the wall <laughs> that's picking up on all of this. So I'm curious to know, Waldo and, and Dan, maybe you first, when you're going in and you're seeing this with companies, are you seeing this with companies? How do you handle that? Do you say anything? Do you not? Do you just leave and go, oh, never going to talk to them again? Um, what does that look like in the space that you're in? <clears throat> do you mind if I go first, bro? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if there's any event planners or HR directors who are listening to this, they need to understand the difference between a professional presenter and a professional speaker. Mm. And that's why Waldo and I take so much pride in being inducted into the professional speakers hall of fame because we customize and that's one of the things that makes waldo stand out and i would hope that you would echo that about me because it when i've taught public speaking at the university level for 11 years and i always remind my students seek to bless not impress that if you're nervous before you speak you think it's about you but if you're excited before you speak you know it's about them and if we dazzle the audience and they leave fired up about us we blew it But if they leave our audience and leave our our speech believing that they can take it to the next level, that no matter what their past has been, they have a spotless future, then we've we've accomplished the goal. And the reason why any meeting planner, event planner, meeting professional would bring in a professional Hall of Fame speaker, and I challenge you to just and only call on our fellow Hall of Fame speakers. That seems so bold, hopefully without overbearance. But I don't know about you. If my dad needs open heart surgery, I don't want the guy who graduated last in his class from medical school to start sawing on my dad's sternum. Mm -hmm. you got to rise to the occasion. And your people, your employees will appreciate bringing in a true pro. Mm -hmm. And what makes us professionals is our (laughs) pre-conference call that we require before we show up as the fly on the wall. And I do exactly what you uh, have, have complimented uh, Waldo on, and most speakers don't. They just whip off speech A as if they're a Shakespearean actor. My four pre-conference calls are, what is your theme? And what does that mean to you? How did you come up with it? And classic example, I remember they said, 
over the rainbow. And I'm on this pre-conference call and I'm a songwriter. Remember, the hook is what sells the song. My buddy Tim Nichols wrote, Live Like You're Dying for Tim McGraw. And Garth Brooks sings, I could have missed the pain, but then how did I miss the dance? It's the hook that sells the song. So as a songwriter, I try to come up with those, those quotable quotes. And the event planner on the phone, what is your theme uh, over the rainbow? I said, whoa, what was your last year's theme? And they said, weathering the storm coming out of COVID. So as a songwriter on my pre-conference notepad, I wrote, instead of running from the storm, isn't it time for us to finally learn how to dance in the rain? So even though the speech was, you know, maybe seven months in the future, when I finally come, to, come when it finally comes time for me to hop on the plane, open my file, and look at my pre-conference call notes, I'm like, oh, I remember the conversation. Oh yeah, that's the theme. Mm-hmm. Second question is, what is the purpose of your meeting? Is it for vendor customer? Is it is it is it continuous education units? Is it an incentive? Thank you because we're meeting in Cabo. Third question, who are your attendees? What do they do when they wake up? If they're selling something, if they're selling a medical device, do they sell to the physician or do they sell to the medical group manager? Mm -hmm. And then the fourth most important question is, what is your desired message? What would you be saying? If I came in the back of the room, not if you were me, but if you were you, because you bring us in as the third party validation to echo what you've been doing Mm -hmm. and what you've been saying and to basically say, your strategic direction is right on target, and this is what we've learned. But to your point, Kendra, I always ask a fifth question. What are the toughest issues you have to deal with right now? Mm-hmm. What can I bring up and not point the finger but say, I don't know if this ever happens in your bank, James, but as I've traveled the world and I've had so much so many opportunities to speak to other community banks. This is what I found. This is what they've been doing. And this is what they did about it. And suddenly I leave and you're no longer the bad guy, James. You can say, remember what Clark said? Remember what Waldo (laughs) said? What are we going to do to take it to the next level? As Waldo would say, to push it up, to make sure that we take it to the highest level possible. Again, with one of my hooks, believing that no matter what your past has been, we have a spotless future. So, I'll turn it over to Waldo with just two more observations. I've had a chance to give over 300 free speeches to the military. That's how I served my country. I've been downrange eight times, Iraq, Afghanistan, firing up the troops. And what I've observed, which Waldo is an expert in and which he brings up, which he also brought up, was that in the military, especially in the Air Force, you lead and follow on the same day. And so if we work our magic correctly and use our story powering, storytelling power, what we can actually do is make sure that everybody knows that nobody leaves a company. They leave the entitled or, or titled leader. Mm-hmm. They don't leave a company. They might not leave a culture, but because the leader's in charge, remember my formula, Every culture is created between the strongest belief, highest expectation, best behavior the leader lives by, the weakest belief, the lowest expectation, and the worst behavior the leader tolerates. So what we have to do is make sure when we get through speaking that everybody knows they can lead with and without a title. No rank, debrief, which uh, the military, especially fighter pilots, are famous for. What do you think, Waldo? Great points, Dan. I just want to kind of businessize it a little bit. If people are hiring a speaker or going into a bank or listening to a podcast just to reinforce that what they're doing and, and not giving them new ideas or perhaps causing a little bit of discomfort, then they're wasting their money and their time. When they walk into your bank, James, you want to create a deliverable, a solution that may be different and or better than your comp- competition down the street through the relationship, through the products, through digitization, whatever it is. So back to your point, Kendra, when somebody you know, if we recognize something that's going wrong and, and the egos, and if we, we share something that may piss somebody off or get them discomfort, give, give a little discomfort, that's exactly what we should be doing. And I tell that to my clients all the time. I don't want them just laughing or crying and having a good time reinforcing their current belief systems. I want to create a new potential paradigm on how they can improve. And that's value. Mm-hmm. That's relevance. You prepare, like, you know, we prepare when if you've got somebody coming into your bank and they're coming in for the second time, you're going to remember 
what they what they told you. You're going to go on LinkedIn. You're going to Google them. You're going to gather intelligence to make a difference and build that rapport that reinforces the relationships that creates more trust. Then you have to do that from a stage or as a business banker or as a, as a, as a culture consultant like you, Kendra. Mm-hmm. So the going back as well, like we all have blind spots. I'm putting a picture on the screen about check six. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a concept that we learn in the military that we have blind spots behind us. Our six o'clock is where we're often getting shot at, where we don't see the threat coming. However, if we have a teammate who's looking over their shoulder, they can see our blind spots and call out the threat and then tell us to take action. And so a great speaker, a great consultant, a great banker, a great parent calls out the threats that the, your teammates or your customer may not see, gives a solution to them, tells them to take action, how to take the action. And your job as somebody who's growth oriented, as opposed to with a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset, is say, okay, that brings up a good point. I need to, I need to take this action. I need to Drink this green smoothie, study a little bit more, have those tough conversations, no one to shut my mouth with my spouse. Mm-hmm. All those things that potentially cause a little bit of discomfort, that's how we grow. That's what relevant, value-based people command their fee, not demand their fee. And so that's culture. Once again, if I'm not willing, if you're not willing to, to, to get into a tough conversation to tell folks what they need to hear and not what they want to hear and just accept mediocrity, then you'll never achieve excellence. And it starts with the individual once again. That's why I talked about I worked out this morning. I'm, I'm, I had my little, my little uh, isogenic shake here. I'm trying to lose a bit of body by brownie from the holidays. You know, I always ask people that I coach, tell me about your day. What are you doing? Leaders in the room, how are you emulating excellence to your teammates? Are you first in, last out? How, what are you doing to be relevant? Tell me about your relationship with your, with your spouse and children. You know, and so that builds confidence and trust. And that's why I trust guys like Dan and, and build relationships with people who are emulating excellence in their personal and professional lives, not just spewing it from the platitude they read in their last motivational YouTube video and a book that they, they read. I want to see and feel and witness the excellence in their lives. And that's what we need to do in culture and business. Your people, as George Patton once said, you're always on parade. How you show up, the snap in your salute, your compassion, your excellence, your disciplines, your teammates and those customers, even the future customers at Starbucks uh, or in downtown Tempe, they're watching you, right, James? <laughs> Absolutely. Beautifully said. With that being said, it has almost been an hour. It's amazing how fast these conversations go. I'm going to let James kind of give his final thoughts, maybe ask a final question of you guys, and then we're going to start to wrap up the conversation. Yeah, one of the things that stand out is what makes a Hall of Fame speaker is they're a good listener. There's a lot of people I've had speak at events that don't listen. And it, you're right, it's the pat speech. And, you know, I think that, that what you mentioned early on, you have to be good at what you do, but also to practice some self-care. I've noticed times when, when the organization hasn't, you know, hadn't been quite as successful. And it was probably when I was at my weakest moment. And the team feels that and absorbs it. And, and then being able to share as, as, as you work through those issues to share those weaknesses or the things you're trying to address with your team are a really good thing. They're like, Oh, I, you know, I, and I love being called out. I can't stand it when, you know, we're, we're in a room. I, I want everybody to have input. I want everybody to tell me what they think. And then we can kind of work through that issue. One of the things being hall of fame speakers you know, the, the, the thing I always get is it, it seems like a lot of times who is a, unless it's a whole company event who attends those are the CEOs and you really need to have the whole team there. And so that, you know, that it's not just, I'm coming back and basically telling you through my lens, what I thought I saw and to, to build up those people. And that's really where I've seen with our team, when I spend my time with them and they make it, they continue to make it to new levels they never thought they would get to. So I guess last short little question would be, how do you, how do you, how do you get that culture and that feel and that message to the whole team? It's just through example, you know, Edgar Guest, I'd rather see a sermon preached than hear one any day. I'd rather you would walk with me than merely point the way. 
and they can see our routines. Too bad they couldn't see our personal behind-the-scenes routines. I didn't know this conversation was going to end by lowering my self-esteem. You know, uh, Waldo, he's talking about drinking his isogenics drink and hitting the gym. And and I'm thinking, you know, I set my alarm for 5 o'clock, but I know me. If my feet don't hit the floor by 5.05 and I'm not in my home gym, I've already talked myself into liposuction and a tummy tuck thinking this is way overrated. So I definitely need to understand and follow uh, Waldo's example that discipline is a lot more important than motivation because you you know you don't have to be motivated if you're disciplined. I would just like to basically say as we start winding up is I think the way we communicate that as CEOs as leaders is what Waldo has been talking about and hopefully I've been talking about as well and that is we must be vulnerable before we can, we have to be ordinary before we're extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a chance because I've donated so many hours and the 300 plus speeches to the military. I've had a chance to fly most of the fighter jets and go up into space into U2. We'll talk about that on another podcast, <laughs> watching the, seeing the breathtaking curvature of the earth for five hours blew my mind, gazing into the endless blackness of the universe. But I remember when I had my first opportunity to fly an F-18, think about Maverick Top Gun, and doing everything, most of the things that you saw in that movie. And when we landed and I climbed out of the out of the aircraft, there was a journalist there because I'm a civilian and the, the curiosity was was forefront. And all she asked me was, okay, okay, Mr. Clark, did you pop your cookies? And I said, you know what? Last night before I flew, I had dinner with with Colonel Thompson and I asked him if there was something I should eat before my flight to prepare myself. And he said, yeah, bananas. I said, why am I going to cramp up? Do I need the potassium? He said, no, it's because bananas taste exactly the same coming up as they do going down. (laughs) So when I climb out of the aircraft and the journalist asked me if I pop my cookies, I had to be honest. I had to be vulnerable. I said, well, yeah. I said, Colonel Thompson was absolutely right about those bananas. In fact, I ejected a box of milk duds I'd eaten in a movie when I was nine. I said, I was upside down so long, I think I'm the only human being who's ever thrown down. But after you're vulnerable as a leader and people can see that, then you can cut to the chase and teach the moment. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in my words, not, not Waldo's words, but every time I've heard you speak, bro, every time I'm around, every time we break bread, I go away reminiscing on a powerful hook, a powerful quote that when I finally climbed out of the cockpit I, and had a conversation with my commander, I said, how did we fly this magnificent F-18, or in the case of F-16, I've flown a Thunderbird too. He said, by feel. I said, what do you mean? He said, you become the plane. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you climbed up that ladder and slid into the cockpit, did you strap into the F-18 or did you strap the F-18 onto you? So that's why I'm a fan of Waldo Waldman. That's why everyone within the sound of our voices needs to hire him as a keynote speaker. And then when you get through firing up and you need a second speaker to follow this (laughs) fine young man, I want you to think of me. He has an advantage. He shows up in the same one-piece, you know, onesie flight suit that he's customized as a speaker. And I have to go find an outfit and to compete with him. <laughs> I'd spend a lot of money on outfits, but I have to hustle off stage so I can get it back to the store before I wrinkle it and wait for the next opportunity to get my second outfit. Kind of like you, James. I've got a couple oh of fun shirts you can borrow. So. Oh my. Now we're going into outfits. Waldo, bring us in. We have the, um, just a few moments. Yeah. And it's, it's so, so nice. It was such a wonderful opportunity to, to break ver- verbal bread with all of you. I wish I was in the office so we can uh, have a cup of coffee afterwards. But, you know, back to what you were saying, James, how does it, how does it expand around the uh, the companies? A lot of companies these days are not just having sales meetings or executive management meetings. They're bringing in the entire teams, the the warehouse folks, right? This is what I did when you saw me with Mm Americole, the logistics folks, you know, the people that are what I call in the trenches, turning the wrenches, the back end people, you know, the administrators, the underwriters. I just work with a company called Brown and Brown Insurance. They brought all their sales or support staff in, not the not the account managers, but all the behind the scenes people acknowledge and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. 
let them know that that uh, they they count and, and fluff their feathers. I say we need to fill bank accounts before bank accounts. To give a little bank uh, analogy there for you, James, mm-hmm. fill those bank accounts and bring them in. Invest in them. Get them the coaching, the training, the uh, the Hall of Fame speaker uh, engagement as well. And 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 from a micro level in in, in your business. It's important for us to walk the flight line and understand all those unsung heroes who are in our businesses. Mm-hmm. If you're in sales, take a peek at what engineering does. If you're in finance, uh, drop over to biz dev or marketing. Mm-hmm. If you're in logistics and supply chain, you know, talk to HR and, and kind of cross-pollinate your understanding of each other's obligations and responsibilities to build that appreciation that it's not just your vertical, your silo that counts. And the biggest lesson I learned in, in the fighter squadron was when when i chewed out a young subordinate crew chief for messing something up and he said get out on that flight line and, and you remember this kendra and, and you do as well dan you know he humbled me i got out there and and changed tires and engines and realized that i didn't have a clue what these young kids did other than supporting me the cocky fighter pilot with the wings and the, and the captain rank so so build that appreciation get out there and uh and connect uh, with all those other verticals who, who make a difference for you so you can go out there and, and do your job. Beautiful. As we get ready to close this up, I am so thankful for all three of you gentlemen here today. Um, I didn't expect to laugh so much either and have so many beautiful takeaways to go away with. So thank you to the three of you. James, thank you for coming in again. I love that I get to just kind of loop you back into all of this and this journey and this growth. So thank you for being part of this. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. And for Waldo and for Dan, before we step into some final messages, when folks are listening and they are listening to the both of you going, oh, I really do need to have them come speak. What is the best way for them to reach you, Dan? My website is danclark.com. If anybody's curious about my crazy videos that I release on Instagram, Dan Clark Speak. I'm proud of doing executive coaching and enrolling people in my Speak Like a Pro to help them become better communicators and awesome storytellers so they can communicate with their people and Okay. And and share that emotion, that that transformational leadership instead of transactional. Beautiful. And, the website uh, and Instagram are the yeah, best. The website is the best, and snoop around and and okay. see how I can serve you. Waldo, well, how about you? What's the best way for folks to reach you? By the way, Dan, my my MBA thesis, my paper was on transformational leadership. So it's a great, great uh, way to way to put that plug in as an MBA when everybody listening to me thinks seventh grade was my senior year. <laughs> And any real executive or somebody you hire speakers understands that MBAs are, are, are nothing. It's the real work that you've done, actually, at the end of the day. It's just a square filler. But I got my MBA while I was in active duty because I knew eventually I wanted to use it in the future. Yeah, so yourwingman.com is my website, yourwingman.com. If you Google Waldo Waldman, uh, that's also a great place to uh, to find me. I'm, I'm all over social media at Waldo Waldman as well. And then I want to give everybody a gift. This is my book, Never Fly Solo. Uh, that QR code, if you take a screenshot, if you want to share that, or go to yourwingman.com forward slash NFS. It's a New York Times bestseller on building cultures of courage and accountability and trust. That's it right there. And I'm sure Dan may have a have a, a uh, have his own book if you want to give that away. But that's a, a gift to everyone that was listening yes. as well. I would love for them to also put up a QR code. I'll give that to you when we close off the cameras and give you a free uh, download of, I guess, my book, The Art of Significant Leadership. It covers mm-hmm. most of the stuff that we're talking about today. Super. Beautiful. And before I wrap it up, I do want to have one message from our sponsor. We have James here, but I do want to play a quick Uh, sponsorship message. Remember when your banker knew you and cared about you? This experience still exists at Gateway Bank, the only community bank in Mesa, Arizona, serving customers valley and nationwide. With Gateway, you get the fast personal service of a small bank with the convenience, security, and stability of a large one. Whether you need a loan or banking services for your business, they're here for you. Visit gcbaz.com slash culture crush for details and a free consultation with Gateway President James Christensen. And that is all of it for today. Thank you to 
my three amazing gentlemen, two in the studio, one virtually. Thank you to everyone else for listening today. This was another episode of the Culture Crush Business Podcast. Culture Crush Business is your hub for company culture resources. With deep cultural insights and years of expertise, we evaluate your company's needs and connect you with the precise resources to cultivate a thriving culture. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Culture Crush, the only podcast out there that does a deep dive of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. If you think your company has a strong culture that should be highlighted, please reach out to Kendra Maples on LinkedIn or email us at culturecrushpodcast at gmail.com.